I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. Couldn't be, be more ecstatic to be a Carolina Panther. I'm ready to get to work. It's just day one, but to be able to finally start day one and be able to attack and be able to start that process, um, it, it feels great for me. Nearly two-thirds of the league begin their OTAs today. That includes the Panthers and Bryce Young, who you just heard from and we'll hear from again in just a moment. OTAs means another step forward towards the start of the NFL season. That gets us excited. And with that, we say hello. Welcome into NFL Live. I'm Field Yates. You're going to see Mita Kimes, Marcus Spears, and Jeremy Fowler in just a little bit. Jeremy coming from the league meetings taking place in Minnesota. But we start the show in Carolina, where the Panthers continue to get their number one overall pick, Bryce Young ready for his debut NFL season. Here is Young earlier today, plus his head coach addressing the media after the team's first day of organized team activities. I mean, it was 10 out of 10. I mean, you know, just complete command, control, poise. You could tell the way he was seeing it, the way he working through progressions, accuracy in the throw, ball placement of the throw was all very good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, just being able to compete, us fly around a little bit, this being the first time that you know we were against the defense and being able to go and, and, and play fast and take the, the meeting room out into the practice field, um, you know, it was a lot of fun. All right, the person who performed at a 10 out of 10 level was Bryce Young. That's Marcus Spears and Mina Kimes every day. So, Swaggy, we'll start with you. How can the Panthers best get Bryce Young set up for success right away because we know he's starting from day one? First of all, babyface, my sister is a 10 out of 10 MK. Agreed. And I just got to take a second to realize how strong this jacket <laughs> is I have on today, guys. I just got to give it myself a compliment. Excellent. I didn't think it was going to hit like this on TV, <laughs> but it hit today. That's a 10 out of 10 right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get let me get into Carolina. This is about protection and run game, man. It, it, it's it's Bryce Young ended up in a phenomenal situation, and I know we talked a lot about the coaching staff and the experience he was going to. But this team, the last eight games of the season under Steve Wilkes, they rushed for 158 a clip. And that is how you help young quarterbacks get acclimated to the speed of the game. This offensive line played well down the stretch. Mina mentioned that a bunch as we led up to the draft. So I think he's primed. And listen, all of those adjectives that you heard Frank Reich use about Bryce Young is the reason he went first. Calm, poise, command, mm. understanding the X's and O's, ball placement. Now, I know we made a big deal about his size, but he is primed to have success this year. But those two things, offensive line, obviously, protection for any quarterback in the NFL, but don't lean away from the run game, which Frank Reich showed with Jonathan Taylor in Indianapolis that he will hand it off when success is being had in that part of the game. Those are the two ways you affect Bryce and have him start off fast and be the guy that we all think he will be. You know, that formula that you're talking about, the dominant run game helping a rookie quarterback, 
Reminds me a little bit of the Seahawks in 2012. Ooh. And the other thing the Seahawks had that really helped Russell Wilson, who's of course uh, in similar stature to Bryce Young, was a dominant defense. This Panthers defense, yes. I think we've all thought of as having great potential. But for me, this is the year that they have the, the true ability to go from being potential to a very good top five even defense in the NFL. And it starts with the hiring of their defensive coordinator, Ejiro Evero, who, you know, frankly, will probably be a head coach sooner rather than later, but had tremendous success in Denver. Now he comes to Carolina, where I feel the personnel that they already had in the building and some they added is a great fit for what he likes to do up front. You're going you're gonna to look at a 3-4 and a lot of light boxes, what he did in Denver. I think Derek Brown, Shai Tuttle on the defensive line with, of course, Shai you know, Brian, Bryce, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Burns rushing the passer. Then, then behind them, you have a number of players going from Frankie Louvu at linebacker to Jeremy Chin to now Von Bell who are all very multidimensional, which mm. is another thing that Evero likes. Throw in a shutdown corner in J.C. Horn, and you have all of the ingredients for a unit that could really make a significant leap this year. I mean, it's certainly a player's yeah. league, but it felt like this offseason, every time the Panthers added somebody else to their coaching staff, it was like, wow, that guy was A, available, and B, decided on Carolina. Yeah. What a staff they Truly. put together under Frank Reich. Let's go from the, Jag from the Panthers to the Jaguars, who made the really shrewd move to trade for Calvin Ridley for a very modest price at last year's trade deadline. They knew he wouldn't be available until this season. The team begins its OTAs today. Here's head coach Doug Peterson on Calvin Ridley. You know, I've been been impressed with him. He's been here. He's he's been focused, engaged in the things we asked him to do, and and it's just being on the same page with Trevor. He's done a great job in the classroom, been able to take that you know out to the field and the work he's getting done, and and just continue to develop. We're not game planning or scheming or all that. We're just continuing to you know install, and he's done a nice job you know handling all the information. Good to see him back, and really is going to be a significant addition. Wow, how about that roar to a Jaguars team that went 7-2 in their final nine games last season. They went on to win the AFC South title. Trevor Lawrence is the catalyst for their turnaround as he's ranked second in the NFL in completion percentage and touchdown-to-interception ratio during that span. So, Swagoo, a great run for the Jaguars and included an unbelievable, <laughs> literally historic comeback in the playoffs over the Chargers. But how could they go from what they did at the end of last season to an even better team this year? Every time I see Trevor Lawrence numbers from last year and I see the improvement that he made, I just think competency. That's what mm. comes to mind. But obviously, that's a time and another place to have a conversation. Doug Peterson did a phenomenal job with a young team, getting them to understand how important it is to not only, one, take care of the football. Obviously, we saw that against the Chargers go downhill and then was able to come out in the second half without blinking. I think you compound on that. You continue to build Trevor Lawrence up and have him believe that he's a top five guy in this league because that times those flashes show and then the guy that we showed coming off Calvin Ridley I don't know if people remember where he was trending before the obvious uh, suspension by the NFL Ooh. but he was trending as a number one wide receiver and Atlanta was ready to make him the guy mm. that was going to lead them at the, as far as the wide receiver position you couple that with Christian Kirk and what they did in the run game with Travis Etienne and Doug Peterson's not only his experience but his way to galvanize, this team was down 30 mm. and came back to win a playoff game. So I think you just build on some of those things and obviously create the add nuance to this offense. But I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be a handful this year for everybody that they play. Yeah. 
It must be opposite day because, yet again, Marcus is going to talk about the offense. I'm going to bring up the defense. <laughs> but this time, instead of uh, talking about them as a unit, I expect to make a leap like Carolina. I'm going to express some concerns because the Jaguars essentially just oh, ran it back, both in terms of the players and the coaching staff. And this is a pass defense that was very inconsistent last year. So for them to truly compete at the top of the AFC, which should be the goal for this team based on what they did last season, what we know that the offense is capable of, you're going to need improvement from players already on the roster. Tyson Campbell at times looked like a real number one cornerback. Can he be that guy over the course of an entire season? Darius Williams, once they moved him outside last year, um, played really good ball. Can he build on that? And then perhaps most importantly, the number one overall pick, Trevon Walker. He has to play like the number one overall pick. He has to make yeah, an impact okay. in terms of getting to the quarterback like the number one overall pick because otherwise I don't see how this defense improves. Yeah, and Mina, I know that we often see, over – Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Swag. Excuse me. Babyface, I gave him a year. Yeah. I gave him a year. I was not hard on him. <laughs> Mina brought it up. Yeah. But I'm going to need to see a lot from that BMB this year because that number one overall pick put some pressure on you. No and I just gave him a year to get acclimated because my man Aiden Hutchinson in Detroit showed <laughs> why he was a top pick at the defensive end position. I'm going to need to see something out of Trayvon Walker this year. And I try not to overinflate the final game or games of a season, but let's not forget that when Patrick Mahomes was playing on basically one leg in the AFC Divisional round, yeah. the Jaguars got no pressure on him. It didn't matter that he couldn't barely walk. Yeah. He was able to just stay in the pocket and throw the ball because of a lack of pressure from that Jaguars defense. Let's go to the spring league meetings. They're taking place in Minnesota today. Another opportunity for the owners to convene and discuss a wide variety of matters. We've got boots on the ground coverage from our own Jeremy Fowler. And Jeremy, hello. This is the first time the owners are gathering since the news broke about the agreement being reached on the sale of the Washington Commanders. What more can you tell us there? Well, Field, down the hall behind me, owners will be briefed on that looming commander's sale. They will not take a formal vote on the matter. That should come later, potentially around July or August this summer. And so it's a matter that will be resolved eventually, but it's in the hands of the Finance Committee. We spoke with Colts owner Jim Ursay just a little while ago, and he said, look, he's hopeful that this sale goes through, but it's got they have to be compliant, just like past bidders. It has to work through the formal process. And so speaking of the commanders in Colts Field, uh, the NFL's inquiry into that Andrew Luck matter, whether the commanders were actually tampering with the quarterback once upon a time, that has been resolved to the Colts' satisfaction, according to our Stephen Holder. So that matter should be put to bed. Okay, and no discipline there as well. Let's go to another big talking point, which is going to be the potential to flex some Thursday night football games. I know how Twitter feels about this, but what specifically is being discussed, Jeremy? <laughs> Well, Phil, later this afternoon, they're going to discuss and vote upon the right to flex games between weeks 13 and 17 of this coming season. It would be a one-year experiment. So the league's treading carefully here. They know there's been some pushback from some owners, namely Giants owner John Mara, about this concept. But the, the possibility would really be about two flex games max on this given year, similar to what you see with Sunday night football. So that would be sort of the average. And, you know, there is a little bit of momentum there. So we'll find out here in a few hours how that shakes out. All right. I just took a poll within NFL Live and our staff, and we vote no on this just for the record. Uh, but following last year's NFC Championship game, there were rumors that the league may start allowing teams to carry a third quarterback on their roster without burning an active roster yeah. spot. What more can you tell about that? 
Yeah, so that got approved today, Field. They will have okay. that emergency quarterback that doesn't count against the active game day roster. So if you have three quarterbacks, you have the benefit of keeping them off the game day active roster. He has to be active during the week, though. So a team like Tennessee, where they drafted Malik Willis a year ago, and he's sort of the odd man out in the quarterback rotation, this could benefit him where you have a third guy who's ready to play in case the first two players that are on the roster can't play for injury reasons or suspension reasons. It would have to be something hard and fast beyond just performance. But this was sort of considered a no-brainer among the teams I've talked to after what happened to San Francisco in that NFC Championship game. We'll call it the Brock Purdy rule. Plenty more from Jeremy Fowler in Minnesota coming up just a little bit later on NFL Live. But new on NFL Live, our own Jamison Hensley tweeted the following. Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson was absent from the first day of OTAs, but he's expected to participate in OTAs this week. A reminder for anybody asking, these aren't mandatory. You can show up, you cannot show up. It's totally your prerogative. Just getting started here on NFL Live, and Justin Simmons, the all-pro safety, had some glowing comments for his new coach, Sean Payton. But how can he help Denver and Russell Wilson bounce back after a rough year? Marcus says it starts with the play calling. Plus, FPI says the Chiefs are the best team in the league and will have the best record. But next, both Marcus and Mina will poke holes in the reigning champs case to go back to back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. After days and days of waiting, we are finally ready to start this game. Kelsey over the shoulder. He's got the touchdown. Kansas City, touchdown, touchdown, Kansas City. There's a penalty flag thrown. This does not look good. Slide down at the one, very smart inbounds. 11 seconds left, the kick is good. The Chiefs Kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again. ESPN Analytics released their football power index for the 2023 season earlier today. The Eagles and Chiefs are the favorites to face off in the Super Bowl again. If that happens, it'd be the first time the same two teams met in the Super Bowl in consecutive seasons since the Cowboys and Bills in 1993 and 1994. All right, not to be the Debbie Downer here, Mina, but what are the potential biggest pitfalls the Eagles <laughs> have to avoid this year in order to get back to the Super Bowl? Well, this is really challenging because I personally believe they have the most complete roster in the NFL. It's very hard to find holes. 
but if there is a hole, and I would say it's more <laughs> of a question mark, it's linebacker. T.J. Edwards left in free agency. N'Kobe Dean, yeah. who they drafted last year out of Georgia, was an excellent college player. We just haven't seen him play. Now, I would also add that this is a concern because of the competition that the Eagles play in the NFC, particularly San Francisco, where we know the linebacker position takes on more importance defending them than it does other teams. So, uh, to me, N'Kobe Dean is a player who could be more important than it might seem and potentially a pitfall for an otherwise stacked roster. Absolutely, MK. I'm going to stay on that same side of the ball and go defensive line. And I'm going to talk about youth. And people like, youth? What the hell you mean? Uh, Fletcher Cox is back. Brandon <laughs> Graham is there. Josh Sweat is back. Like, youth, what do you mean? I mean the interior of this defensive line when it comes to Jalen Carter. Look, I know it's been hype. And, and Jordan Davis was drafted last year about how good these are. I think the thing that gets lost about what the Philadelphia Eagles were and what their superpower was was depth at the defensive line. But all of those guys played at a very high level. And they all were experienced when they brought in Ndamukong Sue as well. So I just look at these positions when you start talking about defensive tackle. And MK and everybody knows how important I think that position has become in today's game when you start talking about impacting big games. It's just the youth of these guys not going over and above trying to be Superman instead of playing gaps and making the right plays and understanding how to rush in critical moments because they'll be in high leverage situations. Those are the things that concern me when you get young defensive linemen, but we'll see how it goes. My biggest takeaway from both of your remarks is that the Eagles are probably going to be just fine. If these are their problems, it's a very, <laughs> yeah. very small problem in the grand scheme. Champagne Let's go to the Chiefs. They got, yes, they very got much rich so. people problems. No doubt, Swagoo. As for the Chiefs, they'll look to become the first team to repeat a Super Bowl champion since the Patriots back in 2003 and 2004. The current streak of 18 consecutive seasons without a repeat Super Bowl champ is the longest in NFL history. So I feel like it's the exact same story in the AFC market. But uh, what do the Chiefs need to do and what are the pitfalls that they could possibly run into this season? It's the reshuffling of this offensive line. And I know they signed Jawan Taylor yeah. from the Jaguars. And, look, I know some of the games that I watched, uh, Jawan Taylor is a big physical, a powerful offensive lineman. Some games I was concerned about his protection. Let's not get it wrong. And then Donovan Smith. Listen, man, I, I, I hate to do it. Donovan Smith holds more than I would, and I've never played offensive line. That was his issue in Tampa. So many holding penalties, and those are the things that derail great offenses. Patrick Mahomes, and we expect him to be fine, and obviously Andy Reid, and how, they, how he calls plays, and we've seen the success of this offense. The one thing you can do to shoot yourself when you start talking about playing as a high-powered offense is these penalties and negative plays and not being able yeah. to stay on schedule when you start talking about games and playoffs and the expectations for the Kansas City Chiefs. So those are the two positions that are most important when you start talking about protecting your quarterback and we got new offensive linemen, especially at key, critical positions. And the one Donovan Smith one concerns me, MK, because those holdings were a big yeah. concern for me as I watched him play in Tampa last year. 
Yeah, the only thing that can stop Patrick Mahomes is first and 20. And sometimes that doesn't even stop him, but I, yes. it's a really good answer for that reason. Yeah. Uh, or, or him being on his back, which we saw, of course, in the Super Bowl uh, the, against the Bucs. Uh, the other answer I'll give for Kansas City would be the young secondary. And similar to how I said linebacker is of utmost importance in the NFC, your secondary is going to be really important in the AFC, given the high-powered passing attacks you're facing in Cincinnati, Buffalo, Miami, Jacksonville. Now, this young Chiefs secondary, I thought played really well at the end of last season. Jalen Watson, Brian Cook, you've got young players, Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams moving into bigger roles. Now with Juan Thornhill gone, they're going to need to continue playing at a high level. What we saw was promising, but if we're looking for potential pitfalls, it is a very, very young group that's going to be facing some very, very good quarterbacks. Yeah, I guess the biggest thing for, for, for Kansas City is just the conference, right? It just feels so different playing in the AFC as opposed yeah. to the NFC because the Eagles seemingly have a much clearer path. Let's use those FPI win totals from around the league for a little game of over-under swag. We start with you and your Cowboys. 9.4 wins, very specific number. Your thoughts there? I think it's close, but I got them over at 10. I think I had them winning 10 games when we did it in studio a couple weeks ago. I think the addition of Stephon Gilmore is not being talked about enough. This defense is still going to be the calling card. They created a lot of opportunities for Dak in that offense last year. I think they do the same this year. And, oh, Michael Parsons still plays for the Cowboys as well. Yes, he sure does. Mino, let's go to Denver. The Broncos are at 8.4. Your thoughts? I'm going to go under, a little nervous about it because I think Sean Payton can make an offense out of anything. We're going to talk about that. But I do think the loss of Jiro Evero, uh, who you know called the defense last year, is something that might be overlooked. And I'm going to have to see it from Russell Wilson before I believe it. All right, Swagoo, back to you. How about the Packers at 7.4? Yeah, I don't know what the hell point four is. They may win a half game more. I don't know what the hell that means. I got them under, but I got them at seven. So don't get mad at me, Packers fans. Listen, it's a lot of newness. Obviously, Jordan Love taking over a young roster, by the way. I don't think people talk about that in Green Bay enough. I still believe this team is very good with a lot of talent. I think seven wins is good for them. They make it 7.4, whatever the hell that means, babyface. We'll have to ask Mina. She's the person who's got the highest IQ on this show. Let's go to the Jets, though, Mina, to finish this <laughs> up at 9.3. So, tough division, but I'm still going to go over for a couple of reasons. This defense, which was playing like a top five unit at the end of last year, I think they'll be just as good. They weren't dependent on turnovers. They were young. They're so deep up front. And then, of course, you're replacing Zach Wilson slash Mike White with Aaron Rodgers. You're going to win more games. All right, coming up on NFL Live, Mina's going to walk us through various functions on the TI-84 calculator to come up with 7.4 wins somehow. No, I'm kidding. We're going to have the Chargers because they lost a lot of close games last year. Uh, with the new offensive coordinator in town, though, could things turn with Kellen Moore at the control center of that offense? This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperice.com. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We've got game four of the Western Conference Finals between the Nuggets and Lakers tonight at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific on ESPN and the app. Denver up three games to none. The countdown crew gets it all started at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. Back now on NFL Live, and let's go back to Jeremy Fowler, who is live himself from the Spring League meetings in Minnesota. Jeremy, there are some notable names that did not show up to the first day of voluntary OTAs. Yeah. What more can you tell us about a handful of guys, starting with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, Field, Lamar Jackson away from the team right now. Should be back later this week, according to our Jamison Hensley. And so the Ravens are eager to get Jackson integrated into Todd Munkin's new offense. They believe they can help him evolve as a passer with all the weapons that they've added and a more pass-happy offensive attack. And so this was planned by Jackson. He had promised he would be there later in OTAs, but you know, never had a hard and fast rule of when he would show up. So there are no issues here. He's just taking his time before he reconvenes with the team. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, a little bit of a different situation. He's training away from the team, but he's been embroiled in these trade possibilities really for the last few months. And multiple teams I've talked to believe that a Hopkins deal with Arizona and another team is stagnant in part because of money. He's due $19 million in base salary. Teams don't want to pay that. And the Odell Beckham deal, him getting 15 to 18 million per year on a one-year deal from the Ravens is probably prohibitive to Hopkins because he probably can't take less given his stature in the game. Teams just simply don't want to pay that right now, so we'll see. Austin Eckler, he's staying away, and this is not actually uncommon despite his trade request. He has stayed away from OTAs in the past while he works out on his own, but this situation clearly a little different as he believes he's underpaid, making around $6 million this year. The Chargers have made clear to him that they love him as a player. They believe they make beautiful football together with Eckler having 38 touchdowns the last two years, so they are hopeful that he shows up sooner than later. All righty, good stuff there from Jeremy out in Minnesota. More from Jeremy coming up. Mina. I know we always talk about the replaceability of running backs, and yet Austin Eckler has been so good over the past two seasons especially. How concerned are you for the Chargers offense if for some reason Eckler is not a part of this team moving forward? It's concerning, Field, for a couple of reasons. They didn't add to their depth that running back, so you're looking at the same room with Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller. I don't think they found a successor to Eckler. And then the other thing is uh, this Chargers offense really struggled to run the ball in key moments. We talked to the, about the Jags uh, making that comeback. Well, on the other side of that, one part of the reason why L.A. wasn't able or, or they blew it, frankly, was that they couldn't run the ball in early downs to preserve the lead. I remember that. Uh, they averaged less than two yards per carry on first down in two that game, up. which was a problem all season long. I think getting Rashawn Slater back at left tackle will help the run game a great deal. But Kellen Moore's got his work cut out for him in terms of finding ways to use the pass game to create easier opportunities, lighter boxes for Austin Eckler on the ground, maybe using Quentin Johnston as a misdirection weapon uh, to manipulate the leverage of second-level defenders because – by and large, you know, it is the same same room, and other than Slater, the same offensive line. Swagoo, let's go back to you here. And the last time that we saw this Chargers team was when they blew that 27-point lead to the Jaguars in that oh. wild card round. Sorry to Chargers fans that are watching right now. What are your expectations for them as they try to bounce back from that? 
First of all, I would be pissed if I'm Austin Eckler. They, these people give me the ball a thousand times a game. I'm asking for a little bit more money, and we having a fight. He was the offense there for a period of time with the receivers being in and out of the lineup. I think the most important thing for the Chargers is finishing and playing well in critical times in games. Like, you talk about the 27-point lead giving up, but I, you talk about the close games early in the year. Also, the Jaguars blew them out earlier in the year. This team always feels like they should be way ahead of where they are. Mm. And Kellen Moore with this offense, hopefully, what will happen is you'll have more nuance. Mina, no. We sat on set and I went crazy about Lombardi just standing him in the center of the pocket like a statue every damn game with the Los Angeles Chargers. Hopefully, Kellen Moore can bring some of that. God, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Herbert was pressured 258 times last year. Mm. That's the second most since we've been tracking this at ESPN. Shout out to our researcher, Ryan, for sending me that stat. But it really lies into the point of why not only an offensive coordinator change needed to be made, but maybe in some of those games, and I, I've had my wars with Kellen Moore when it comes to his creativity at times during the season. Maybe this is about a fresh start, a new look, having a quarterback with a different skill set. But at some point, the Chargers are going to have to finish important games. And that's been their Achilles heel at this point sure so far in, in, out of our expectations for yeah. them. Sure has been and certainly no more so than that game against the Jaguars last year in the wild card round. Let's stay in the AFC West as the Broncos made a major trade for the second straight offseason when they acquired former Saints head coach Sean Payton to help get them back on track after a miserable 2022. Safety Justin Simmons is already excited about what's in store with his new head coach. Here's what he had to say about Peyton's impact. Quote, Sean's been great. Honestly, for him, he's been there and done it, and he's very confident in what he can do and how he's done it in the past. When you have that type of confidence and you can tell what you, you, can tell what you do works, people just follow that lead. There hasn't been that much we've done yet. We're getting ready to start practicing all that stuff, but I'm just excited for the season. I'm excited to get the ball rolling. I'm excited to win. All right, Swagoo, how can the addition of Sean Payton help the Broncos get back on track after a year in which they were supposed to be playing for a championship last season and said they were playing for nothing? Yeah. Well, what Sean Payton was known for, obviously putting his quarterbacks in favorable situations. And I know he coached the Hall of Fame man Drew Brees, but I thought the reason why I was high on Jameis Winston because he was trending towards being under the tutelage of Sean Payton, who quarterbacks just take care of the football. One of the issues, obviously, we saw with Denver was the turnovers from Russ, but it also was no synergy offensively-wise. Like, we didn't know what the hell was going on with Nathaniel Hackett and his system and what Russ was being asked to do. And I know people have made comparisons to, well, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson in the same boat. This is a similar situation. You can find a lot of similarities in that situation, but there, Russ still has a stronger arm. I remember when Drew Brees had a noodle arm, and he was still throwing for a lot of yards because Sean Payton's offense didn't call for him to push the ball downfield 30 times a game, okay? And I think that's what he'll do with Russell Wilson in Denver. I think he'll get this offense back trending towards being more of a pick-you-apart offense as opposed to looking for the explosive play and trying to push the ball downfield. That's been his calling card. That's what he's done successfully. And I think that's what a carryover for Russell Wilson in this offense, at least give them a shot to be tremendously better than they were last year. Yeah, unlike 
late career, Drew Brees. I'm not worried about Russell Wilson's arm strength. What struck me last year was his inaccuracy on the the short stuff. Zero to ten yards. He had the second worst QBR in football, only behind Baker Mayfield. Sean Payton will uh, give him layups. To me, he just has to execute upon that. And then the other thing I expect out of this Denver offense is something that they've basically been advertising to us all offseason with their moves, which is a focus on running the ball and running the ball well. Obviously, getting Javante Williams back from injury helps a great deal. But the big signings, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle is a very good run-blocking offensive lineman from San Francisco. Ben Powers from Baltimore, we know, can block for the run. They traded for Adam Troutman, who it might not be a big name, but I'll tell you this, he can block. He's a tight end from New Orleans. Physical. Altogether, Physical. you know, during the offseason, Coaches don't always tell the truth, but they tell the truth in the moves that they make. And mm. all of these moves tell me that this is a team that does want to run the football. It just warms it warms my heart, man. It warms yeah. my heart every time she do it. <laughs> every time she do it, it warms my heart. Talk about the run game. <sighs> I'm sorry. It's just Gary. part Go of it. You know. I'm sorry about it some more. I was Gotta told pass that, it to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Russell Wilson is just excited to have an organized football attack. And I talked to some people who were involved in Denver's offense last year under Nathaniel Hackett. And one person compared it to throwing things against the wall and hoping it sticks in regards to your play calling. So to Swagoo's point about synergy, Russell's going to get more of that. Just, Just some basic things he's looking forward to, like sequencing of plays from now leading up through training camp, getting easy yards off the run and off a of play action. So he will have that in spades with Sean Payton. Yeah, an arranged marriage last year between yes. Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett that certainly did not go nearly as planned. When we return, Marcus reacts to Big Ben admitting that he actually hoped Kenny Pickett would not be as good as he is. And why Mina says Pickett's progress will rely on his offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. We'll have Game 3 of the Western Conference Final between the Golden Knights and Stars tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ESPN and ESPN+. Our coverage begins at the point at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific. Both games so far have gone to overtime. Both have gone to Vegas. Time now to read and react, starting with Genevieve and Clowney, who spoke over the weekend about potentially reuniting with the Houston Texans. The guys I work out with can help me take care of my body a lot better, being right up under them. So I was thinking about something like that, but uh, you never know. You never know what happened. You never know what's in front of me. I see they got it. They're putting the pieces together. I'm a big fan of a new head coach. 
you know, they got some guys up front I think can go. Malik, and uh, they just got the rookie this year. It's be a big thing to see what they do this year. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do, especially some here. Hmm, so you tell me there's a chance. Marcus, what do you think about a potential reunion for Clowney in Houston? I actually like this. I like Jadavion Clowney returning, obviously some recourse. D'Amico Ryan's being there defensively, putting him in favorable situations. Clowney is a pressure king. I know he doesn't get enough credit because he doesn't get the quarterback on the ground a lot and those sack totals aren't high. But every year he's in the top of pressuring quarterbacks. I think it will help Will Anderson as well. I'm not mad at this. Let's go to Atlanta where a second year quarterback Desmond Ritter had this to say about the addition of running back Bijan Robinson. Quote, as an offense, you look for explosive plays and get them any way you can. So when they drafted Bijan, I just knew that this offense has something to be explosive. We're able to go out there, and whether it's the run game, pass game, play action, doesn't matter. We think that we're going to be pretty explosive, end quote. Mina, what do you think this uh, Falcons offense will look like this season? Well, you see how happy Desmond Ritter looked in that headshot? <laughs> That's probably what he looks like every day at practice because I would argue this is one of the best situations for a young quarterback in football, which is incredible given that I don't think they have a particularly strong wide receiver core. Obviously, Drake yeah. London, their rookie last year, played well. But it doesn't matter because this is the team that's going to come out with multiple tight ends on the field. Kyle Pitts is basically a wide receiver. Multiple running backs. They're going. Arthur Smith is going to scheme up mismatches, and it's going to be a very quarterback-friendly offense. Let's go to Pittsburgh, where Ben Roethlisberger had Kenny Pickett on his podcast to discuss how he felt after the team drafted Pickett. Early on, I didn't want him to succeed because I didn't want him. To, you know, they followed me up. I didn't want it to happen. I think that's probably the selfishness of me, and I feel bad for it. But as it went on, as the season went on, he got to like his third game playing. I was rooting for him. Yeah, I was. I was excited for you, and Appreciate I was. That. I wanted you to succeed. I wanted you to win the games. I wanted you to get to the playoffs. Um, and so, uh, I feel bad. I felt that early on, but I was. I, I'm glad that I transitioned into love and rooting for you. Some honesty there from Big Ben, Marcus. What do you think about those comments? Oh, poo! You could tell me about <laughs> being a competitor and all of that foolishness. Big Ben should have wanted to see the youngsters succeed, and I get it that you've been the quarterback and your name, and he made mention of, I didn't want people to forget about me. Man, how the hell them people gonna forget about you? You don't want Super Bowls, <laughs> the people that paid you over $300 million in a career. Let the young fella go early, uh, mentor him, get him going. At some point, the career is gonna come to an end, man. Praying on the young man downfall for the first three weeks of the season just ain't a good look. But admittedly so, Big Ben said, I felt bad about it. I apologize for it. That's being a bigger man. I just hate the fact that he felt like that. Yeah, well, now he has something to root for, Swagoo, and he might have more to root for. As Pickett had an impressive second half of his rookie season, he led the Steelers to a 5-1 record over his last six starts, and during that time, he ranked 7th in the NFL in QBR. It nearly resulted in a playoff berth for the Steelers as they finished 9-8, but they missed the playoffs due to losing the head-to-head -head tiebreaker with the Dolphins. Mina, what are you hoping to see with the Steelers' offense with Kenny Pickett under center in year two? You know, something I think they could do more of, and this occurred to me listening to Big Ben, is use more play action. Um, this was something that Matt Canada could not do with Ben Roethlisberger because he didn't want to turn his back and hand the ball off. Uh, he wanted to sit back in the gun and pick defenses apart. But Kenny Pickett can play under center. Kenny Pickett can boot out. 
Najee Harris is actually one of the best running backs in football from under center last year. And they used play action at one of the lowest rates in the NFL. Now, when they did it, it wasn't particularly efficient. But I feel like with the improvements they've made, the offensive line, the addition of Darnell Washington, the blocking tight end out of Georgia, who I think is best utilized in a play action centric offense coupled with those weapons uh, it could be something that I think makes this offense more explosive and and also helps the run game as well may not be particularly sexy but they kind of put together a nice offensive core there all of a sudden in Pittsburgh when we get back with the quarterback market in a frenzy what's it going to take for the Bengals to extend Joe Burrow what will it mean for the rest of the team hoping to get paid ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like there's two me's, me that's on the field and the me off the field. I make too much money to have fake ones, so these are real. I just think they're pretty cool. What do you think? (laughs) Are you always like this? Like, are you always that cool? Joseph Lee, he does not care. He's a bad man. This is what I've always wanted to do. Football is Joe Burrow. Touchdown! Gangles! F it. Mars down there somewhere. Jamar Chase! Forget about it! You ever think about the window? Windows my whole career. I think if we didn't prove it today, I don't know how else you prove it. Joe Burrow is cool and he's due for a major payday this offseason after leading the Bengals to the conference championship game in each of the last two seasons, plus the Super Bowl appearance in the 2021 season. As it stands, Deshaun Watson is the only quarterback whose contract has at least $200 million in fully guaranteed money, but Burrow is not focused on resetting the market. No, I'm pretty clear on on what I want and in, in, in the contract and, and what I think is best for, for myself and the team. And so, you know, we're, we're on the road to making that happen. Is this happened kind of the way that the team Jamar came up big in that AFC title game when you needed them? Is that an example of kind of why you kind of keep maybe those guys top of mind as you go through all this? Yeah, you got to have good players. You know, you can't, you see, I mean, it doesn't matter how good, good your quarterback is. If you don't have good players around them, you're not going to be a very good team. Jeremy Fowler back with us now from the spring league meetings in Minnesota. And Jeremy, what more can you tell us about where things stand with Joe Burrow and his contract situation? Yeah, Field, I'm told from a source that the Bengals have launched their process. They've made clear to Joe Burrow they want to sign him. 
So they've gotten the ball rolling on this negotiation. There'll probably be a lot of counter proposals back and forth over the next few months on a deal of this magnitude. But I'm told Cincinnati's plan is clear. They want to get Burrow done in a fairly timely manner so that they can focus on the rest of the core and keep them together. Wide receiver T. Higgins, they believe is elite. They want to sign him to a contract extension. And you have linebacker Logan Wilson, a very good player that they could extend. So they have a very busy summer. But make no mistake, whenever Joe Burrow signs, he will likely be the highest paid player in the NFL. So we were talking about champagne problems earlier on in the show, and I think the Bengals are kind of entering those <laughs> because how do you see Burrow's looming contract extension affecting the rest of the roster moving forward? Because they got so many good guys they got to keep. Yeah. Yeah, Joe said it there. In order to try to chase titles and win Super Bowls and keep that window open, you need to have good players around you. And I think T. Higgins is a prime example. And the only reason I'm not saying Jamar Chase because it's a little time before you have to pay him. But obviously, we know he's going to get paid as well. I like the fact that Joe Burrow has this at the top of his mind because ultimately what we're starting to see now in the NFL is when you can pay a quarterback and keep some of his core pieces around him, you can fill in. And Patrick Mahomes has shown us that. And also, you got to draft well. But beyond that, T. Higgins, to me, is the guy that's in this offense that can be the wild card as far as them winning and losing and having an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Doesn't mean he's better than Jamar Chase because he's not. But what T. Higgins does for this offense and Joe Burrow is he's a comfort level of saying, okay, what if we lose Jamar? What if we don't have Jamar for a pivotal game? What if we don't have him available to us because the team is rolling coverage and trying to take him away at the line of scrimmage? Well, we got this other guy that can dominate mostly every cornerback in the NFL. He has elite size. He's a go-up-and-get-the-ball type of guy in the red area. T, to me, is vitally important for this team's future and if they are going to win a championship. So I think Joe Burrow needs to have him in, in mind and because he's the next up. If the Bengals do pay T. Higgins, and it sounds like they're going to, and then obviously they're going to pay Burrow and then ultimately Chase, what that means is they have to get starter-level production from defensive players on rookie contracts. Mm. And it's going to be a bit of an adjustment because this is a team that you guys remember a couple of years ago in free agency had one of the better classes I've seen in terms of adding veterans to their roster. Trey Hendrickson from New Orleans. Uh, Von Bell also from New Orleans joined the team. Uh, DJ Reader, remember, from Houston. All worked out. Now you're at a point where because of how you're allocating your money towards the offense, you're going to need players like Dax Hill with Jesse Bates gone at yeah. safety. You signed Nick Scott who from the Rams, who's a young player as well. Um, up front, Miles Murphy, Cam Taylor Britt at corner. You see here, these players are all going to have to step up by necessity now. Yeah. Now, fortunately, for the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the people that they did keep was their defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, who is one of the best DCs in football. But he's got his work cut out for him because in terms of investment, his side of the ball is where they're going to be saving money. So, Swagoo, Mina laid out some of the young players that need to step up. What's your confidence level that they can mm -hmm. do that and keep this team as a Super Bowl contender? 
I'm confident, but this is also why Mina's genius should never be underestimated. Because in this division, with an offense as explosive as they are, teams are going to be trying to pile points on the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. And that secondary is going to be more vital to that defense than I believe anybody. So it's a great point. They're going to have to get that production. We saw the Chiefs get a lot of production yeah. out of young players, and that's why they were able yes. to have the success they did. Yeah, you draft and develop so well, but you have to continue drafting and developing so well. Time now to wrap things up with one more thing. And the next time you hear someone described as a journeyman, it better be only Josh Johnson who re-signed with the Ravens today. And look at his team on Bucks, 49ers, AF, UFL, XFL, probably the CFL. Shout out to you, Josh Johnson, because you've had a dream, you've pursued it, and you've never let it go. 14th team NFL record. Good on you, Josh Johnson. Is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun. Now streaming on Hulu.